Eric Zimmermann was born in Hamburg, Germany in 1938. He was the youngest of two, but mostly lived alone with his mother for the first few years of his life. He never really knew his father, who was part Jewish, which is where the name Zimmermann comes from. Eric was just three years old when the war began. Peaceful, no war. My family seemed to be all happy. Yeah, life went along for a couple of years, not realising things going on in the rest of the world and Germany creating it, uh, until living in a city in Germany, Hamburg, industrial, and therefore a lot of planes were starting to come over middle of the night, big lights being turned on. As a little boy you look out because you're running sirens going and you're running to an air raid shelter. About 43-44 they attacked Hamburg because it's a city harbour where they build all the boats and submarine bays apparently unbeknown to me of course at the time but that's what it was and uh, for 36 hours non-stop there were hundreds of planes above dropping bombs everything was burning i had a sister she was two years older so she was away some farm or something she was sent to so it was only my mother and I so we really dodged so many different air raid shelters which got bombed out and we had to run out fire everywhere everything was burning there were dead bodies everywhere and as a young boy there was no whinging or I'm tired or in the middle of the night a siren went you just get up you don't argue with your mother because uh, she was panicking anyhow. You, you could tell she was more stressed than me. But she had a good survival instinct, I think. Whenever it was time to get out, she just, her and myself, I just followed. No, she didn't have to drag me along with a wet blanket over us so we don't burn and run to wherever we could see something clear. Bombing went on for several months until the city was destroyed. Soon after, the British Army came in to take control. Around the same time, Eric and his mother left Hamburg and headed to the country. So we were living on a farm. We, we, the farm is, uh, must have been told, supply a room and we were there, we had food. I was never hungry. All I remember, we, my mother had family, her sister a bit further along, and we went to go and see them, and that left a big impression. Horse and cart, of course. There been maybe five, six of us, and along the highway, or, yeah, it's, it's like a road, say through the National Park, and two planes attacked us. And I still remember very clearly to see they were that low onto the road shooting at us, but the bullets were flying around and you could see the faces of the pilots. 
that put a bit of excitement amongst the cats. And uh, a couple of people got wounded. But my mum and I, we were fine. We dived into the bushes and didn't move. But of course, as a kid, you had to look out. You see two plane chasing one another and uh, bullets flying out. When the war was finished, they wouldn't let you out where we were farmed out to. But somehow or another, my mother was resilient enough to uh, get out of there and we got back to her father, my grandfather, who was just living outside of Hamburg, like Kunala is to the city type thing, I had to explain it. But uh, somehow or another, we, we got back there anyway. Eric is now seven years old and living with his mother and grandfather just outside of Hamburg. His sister had also returned from the farm where she'd been staying. Finally, life was starting to feel a little more settled. Good food, because he had quite a few acres of land, so and he was a good farmer. He had rabbits, shooks, sheep and a pig and I don't eat much meat that didn't worry me but we had any vegetables any fruit apple pears berries blueberries strawberries I didn't suffer life was going along quite settled in a, in a way but uh, everything was on the black market to buy particularly uh, clothes and everything food, coffee, tea. You uh, had to stand in the shops because I'd run out of everything. And queuing was uh, what I do over there. So sometimes you stand, stood in a queue six, seven hours. So I was a young fella. I stood in a queue for many hours. And I stood in a queue for other people, but I got touched. And then one neighbor, worked in the tobacco factory and he knows those people were mad, madly smoking. So he threw a backpack certain time, certain place out the window and I was an in-between four guy, young kid on a push bike. He picked it up and rode like baby just in case somebody saw something or if an adult would have picked it up, could have got picked up. And, uh, got away with it and then they rolled cigarettes all night and on the black market. So pretty good rolling cigarettes and cut it off and not to waste anything. Uh, it was part of it. As a seven year old, it was all good fun. Despite being old enough to attend school, Eric says his mother didn't send him until much later. The only reason I was told, because my sister went to school, and a couple of cousins, somehow my mother didn't send me to school. Because I think, I, I feel she was a seamstress, a furrier, and a headmaker. And I think she used me because I did a lot of sewing. And I delivered a lot of uh, different stuff she made, packed on the back of my bike, and I delivered it. I can't really pinpointed but somehow I remember at 10 I got sent to school 
my mother finish up meeting a man. And that was around that time. So that might be why she sent me off to school. I tried to feather that mentality in those days because that was the worst part of my life. I was not really impressed about it. I thought always my father would come back. That, that, that's a young bloke. I would not let it sink in that he is gone. So I went to school, but school in those days were only four hours a day. So you had two shifts, morning shift, afternoon shift. In between you, uh, I had a soup kitchen going and you stood in line and get something to eat and uh, then you were free again, roaming around. I left school and eventually found a job and worked for six months, but my stepfather absolutely uh, ruined the family and I decided to come to Australia. At the age of 16, Eric packed up his life and boarded a boat to Australia. His sister decided to join him, as did his mother and stepfather, but they were all split up and were sent to different camps. Eric was sent to Cronulla, and after a while, his family relocated there. Basically, we came as a family, but we were independently on our own. But we were on the same ship, but I went to another camp, and my sister went to another camp, and I was there. But then we all got in touch and liked the area, so they finished up staying at Cronulla too. So we all together, but we never lived together. But we, we all liked Cronulla at the time, so uh, that's how we settled all in Cronulla. Eric was lucky enough to be placed at a hostel at Hungry Point. My view out of my room, straight across to Bandin. It was paradise. And I walked downstairs onto the beach in lovely water. And I met a couple of young fellas who took me out on a boat, a bit of sailing, and then walked into Cronulla. Nearly 17, I saw girls in bikini on the beach. That, that was a, an eye-opener and uh, very pleasant. At the hostel, there were advisors to get jobs. So they found a job in a panel beating shop. Fine by me, work is work. I needed to work. First, I started at Sutherland, just by trying, bus and trying. I, I helped you. Even at the hostel, I got a cut lunch. Everything, everything was supplied. It's a canteen where you have breakfast in the morning. While you're not working, you had lunch at dinner. When you were working, you had breakfast and you get a cut lunch. And I communicated with people, picked up a little bit of English here and there, and finger talk, and some people spoke German. So we just got by and I finished up uh, getting a job at Cogra, and they signed me up as an apprentice. After a few months at the hostel, Eric moved out with some friends. In Cronulla, he caught up with other young blokes who were there, and we made a deal, three of us, and we rented a unit in Cronulla. Eventually, we got a unit, and I had that for the last two years before I got married in uh, 63, Prince Street and uh, Mitchell Road up the top here in North Cronulla. Again, with a view across the beach. And from, the, from the day I arrived in the hostel, 
to be in Konawa was very pleasant. I had never had any uh, bad feeling in Australia. I loved Australian humour because it just tickled me and I was able to pay back. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I got on in this world and uh, fortunately for me, I had hair in those days, blonde, long hair. If I didn't open my mouth, nobody knew that I was not an Aussie. It's important to note when Eric came to Australia, he couldn't speak a word of English, so he taught himself. Yeah, I went to the movies a lot. Cronulla movie, I, yeah, I just picked it up and I didn't have too much trouble to watch the movie, listen to the sound and eventually, oh, not too far off anyway, I, I communicate. I never had any problems. The three fellas we were together, we had a lot of parties, others came and uh, yeah, we had a lot of good times. Eric loved his life in Cronulla. He was living and breathing the Australian dream with the memories of war-torn Germany fading into the background. He met a local girl named Joan and they were married in 1963. Soon after, they started a business. I owned a panel beating shop with Kilroy. It was quite successful. Strangely, it's still running now because I sold it. And I still meet the fellow who owns it. Every About every three months, we've got about eight, nine other panel beaters who ring me now, they're younger than I, and we have a counter lunch with them every three months. Eric and Joan had two children, two girls who would go on to become quite well known in the fashion industry. The younger one, who's a designer, she uh, always wanted textile and uh, was very interested in that. The other one was very good in math. So. And then the younger one, we helped her buy a sewing machine in our garage and she made bikinis. The elder one, after travelling, went back into finance but uh, never liked it. She was brilliant but never liked it. So her sister said, you want to go in business together? Yeah. So Joan and I, we converted our garage, we set sewing machine over lockers, I bought them a van and I made clothes, supplied everything. We set Joan and I, we, because we were in business by that time, and set them up in their business. You, we used to, I used to take them at five in the morning, heading and Martin, set up the tent, parked it there, and then Joan and I went home again and picked him up late afternoon. Joan did the book work, and then I took over because I was smarter. Joan even used to work in the shop selling clothes. Now the grandkids work in the shop selling clothes. So the Zimmerman brand was created in the garage of Eric and Joan's home. Eric believes his grandfather was the one with the creative genes and the unwavering work ethic. He had a lot of influence on me. I never saw him not working. I don't think I ever had a ciggy myself, so my two girls never seen me having a day off. 
and they don't take days off themselves. Because the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I'm, I'm, and my wife Joan, we like the nice things in life. I didn't come here to uh, get help from governments and handouts. I never had anything. Never relied on anything. Just paid taxes and uh, kept my nose clean, but I ran a good, successful business and a good name. And I didn't call it Zimmerman in those days. Adams Smash Repairs. First in the phone book. Very short name. I didn't care everybody called me Adam. Hi, Adam. Oh, hi. Fine. A lot of luck, I suppose. It just fell in, into place. If you want a good life, you've got to work. I saw us working. I worked, Jane looked after the garden and did a beautiful job on the garden. Sometimes people laugh, I came home on a Saturday late afternoon, she's doing the lawn, and I sit in the gutter, have a beer. So I thought, hmm, that's a strange relationship. She did a marvellous job, kept a lovely home. Eric credits Cronulla with much of the happiness and success he's had throughout his life. He acknowledges his life would have been very different had he not been sent to the hostel at Hungry Point. And while he will always have his German roots, he considers himself a full-blown Aussie. I got naturalised 1960 and I had to give my German nationality up. I haven't got dual nationality, so I'm an Aussie as far as I can say, 200%. Absolutely, nowadays, if I would get naturalised, I would get dual nationality. But no, not, not, not in those days, so I said, no, buggy, I'm here, I'm here to stay. And he loves celebrating. Australia Day, I got my flag up, because I got a flag post from where I am, and we always have a little party function somewhere. 